1: Central City Citizen, the unofficial The Flash podcast, a poppychularadio.com original series. Poppychula Radio, pop culture on demand. Today is Wednesday, October 16th, 2019, and I am your host, Professor X. During this podcast, we're going to recap, review, and dissect the latest episode of the CW series, The Flash. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello. Brittany Garcia. Hey, everyone. And Jeffrey Aruz. Welcome back, everybody. Let's jump into our recap of Season 6, Episode 2, which was titled A Flash of the Lightning, and aired October 15, 2019. Here's the official synopsis. Faced with the news of his impending death, Barry decides to test whether the Monitor was telling the truth, but finds he can't travel into the future to check for himself. He asks Jay Garrick for help and ends up seeing billions of possible futures in which billions of people die, and only one where they're saved, but he has to die to make that happen. Barry's resilience suffers as he finds it hard to fight his fate. Ultimately, thanks to a pep talk from Joe and being needed as a hero, he gets up and decides to fight back. Meanwhile, Cecile's career as a DA conflicts with her identity when she crosses paths with a villainous metahuman who isn't all that villainous. Cecile's drive to clear the meta leads to a conflict with Joe and ultimately to Cecile deciding to change career paths from district attorney to metahuman defender. Let's check in on the ratings for Season 6, Episode 2. The episode was viewed by 1.28 million total viewers and had a 0.5 in the demo rating. Both of those numbers were down a bit from last week. So what was everyone's initial reaction to the episode? Brittany, you're back for the first time this season. What was your initial reaction?
2: All right, uh, I'm glad to be back. I am excited for this season. Um, I liked this episode a lot. I didn't. I wasn't here for the premiere. I really loved the premiere, uh, but I think I liked this episode a bit more, um, which is interesting to say because I am really interested in both Arrow and Flash's seasons, especially because it's supposed to um, be more about Crisis. Especially Arrow and then a little bit of Flash. And that's kind of where we left off last episode. And then in this episode I was like, oh god, we're going to get more of that. But they were able to balance out like three different storylines in here. And I was actually interested in all three of them. Of course, Barry's part was a little bit more for me, but I'm not going to lie. I got a lot of um. um like content from cecile's actually uh her her story arc in this episode i liked it a lot and i loved where uh, her story ended in this episode and then the the, the frost stuff with cisco i just i really enjoy this episode these are the kinds of episodes that remind me of like why i like both like you know the intense episodes of flash where something serious is going on but also the lightheartedness and then um, the other the other real world issues like with the metas and Cecile and what she's doing and I love how it kind of works because the the flash has a really big cast and sometimes you're kind of like how does that work well? They made it work in this episode and that's probably why I liked it so much
1: Millie what was your initial reaction to the episode? I Really enjoyed
3: it as well I was a little skeptical um, coming off of the, it was a strong premiere, but as Brittany is, I'm also a big Arrow fan. So balancing that out, but I really liked it. I had, I thought that there was so much more structure in this as we see compared to, you know, the previous seasons. I think that really helped um, keep everything straight. Everyone had their own thing that they're working at, but sometimes they kind of intertwined together. I really enjoyed that. Barry's whole journey that we, he went on. talk to Jay Gary and kind of figure that out. I thought it was really interesting. I mean, I'm super pumped up for the crisis, so any any nuggets they're going to give us, I'll definitely eat it up happily. Um, But I also loved that Joe got to be this wisdom back again, and then Iris has some good points at the Citizen. I think Candace did a great another another great job this week as well so i think it was really great um i loved all the storylines and i think the storyline with like killer frost and cisco it was fun it was just that little bit of fun comedy but it wasn't kind of like force i felt we had some at some points last season
1: and jeff what was your initial reaction
4: it was a stellar night for programming on the CW. Uh, both uh, The Flash and Arrow delivered. We've sort of been talking about both of the shows because they're, both of them are uh, the lead up to Crisis. They're, that's what their storylines are. And I thought The Flash was spectacular. I, I loved uh, every moment of the episode. Everything was really fascinating. And I thought all of the storylines were really, really interesting.
1: And surprising no one. I agree with you guys. I thought it was a very, very strong episode. Uh, you know, some interesting themes that we'll delve into. Uh, and, uh, and possibly we'll talk about this, uh, you know, setting the scene for, uh, you know, some, some interesting stuff to come. But before we get into our thorough recap of the latest episode of The Flash, here's our announcer with a few special announcements.
5: Binge listen to your favorite poppy chula radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. Would you like to be one of the podcasters on this podcast discussing your favorite television show? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. We are always looking for new voices to add to our collection of podcasts. To become a co-host you must be at least 18 years old. You must be comfortable sharing your opinions. And you must be comfortable using Skype. There's no podcast experience required. So if you think you have what it takes to be a Poppy Chula Radio on-air personality, email talent at poppychularadio.com. We look forward to hearing from you.
0: This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. Poppychularadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help.
1: Thanks, announcer. Okay, so we open up with Barry and Iris dealing with the Monitor's grim prediction from the end of the last episode. Iris wants to fight, convinced they can change the future together, but Barry seems strangely resigned to his fate. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about that scene and how it set up what was to come in the rest of the episode? I thought it was a really
4: important scene because it certainly allowed us to uh, understand where Barry was coming from in this episode. And uh, he seemed pretty much ready to uh to like take on his fate and uh he wasn't the the type of barry that uh seemed interested in finding out how to stop it he seemed kind of like accepting of what was to come and it, as if it was inevitable as if you know nothing could be done to stop it so that was an interesting point to have him at the start of the episode because clearly uh, the storyline for the episode was to maybe uh, give him a little bit of, of hope in a sense or at least to um, to accept what was coming in a more positive way versus looking at it as, oh, uh, I need to die. So uh, I-, I thought Bring, like starting him off at the really low point where it was more negative than positive uh, was really important for the journey that he went on in the episode.
1: And speaking of that journey, uh, you know, Iris decides they should fight back. Barry seems, you know, kind of resigned uh, early on to his fate. But, you know, he decides to check the monitor story by going to December 11th, 2019, to see if he really did slash does disappear. Uh, so, uh, Brittany, what do you think about the plan and uh, him running into a wall of antimatter on the way?
2: Oh man, I, I honestly, I expected something to go wrong because it was, it's way too easy for Barry to have like these tools at his, at his disposal. Like, oh, I'm just going to go into the future. and I'm going to find out what's going on and whatever. And because they made it a point uh, last episode to say the Flash has to die, I was like, is he really going to be able to see that because... You know, I know he's trying to travel the day. He said the day after, right? The day after he supposedly died. I was like, nah. They're gonna. There's gonna be a blockage. There's no way he's gonna be able to see what's going on there. They're gonna have to try and find some kind of loophole that's not gonna give us everything. Because if there's anything that I've learned uh, after watching Arrow's episode and this one is that we're going to get this mystery um, being broken down, like as slowly as possible, but in the way that, like, is, is okay with us. Like, we're not going to be too impatient. We're going to go on this journey with, every, with with these characters. So seeing that Barry couldn't go in there, and he's like, I have to find another way. I have to go and ask Jay for help. We, or he figures out to go and ask Jay for help. I was like, I like this. I like that it's not, too, it's not easy for Barry to go and figure out what's going on. But I am on his side. I want to know... Why he has to die? Like we know why. All, well, we don't know why Oliver has to die, but we were we know that for Oliver. So why does Barry have to die? Why does he have to? We thought it just he had to disappear. Why does he have to die here? But I'm glad that Iris was able to kind of you know lift his spirits a little bit because let's be real, Barry's always going to do the right thing because that's always been his character. That he's gonna like jump in there, but now he kind of has you know he has Iris, he has people that he worries about. Um, and so that's why he needs to go and do this. He needs to, he needs to find a way to keep his spirits up. And I'm glad that Iris is able to do that, but it makes sense why Barry's more, you know, reluctant. He's kind of more accepting of like, oh, I have to die for you. But no, I, I like that. He's kind of trying to find his way, but I'm glad they're not making it easy for him.
1: Uh, you mentioned the idea that uh, Barry goes off to consult with Jay Garrick. We haven't seen Jay in a while. Um, mm-hmm. I think we saw him briefly last season. He seems pop about once a season. Uh, but, uh, Millie, what did you think about uh, Jay's return and the surprise reveal of his wife, Joan?
3: I always love when Jay comes and gives that, that wisdom to Barry because I think Barry needs that kind of guiding hand with the, with the power he has of the speed force and being fast. So it's always fun um, when they get to interact I thought the, the introduction of Joan was great. Um, of course, I had to Google that, but uh, realizing it was from the comic books, but I really enjoyed that. And um, I love the the moments that they had when Barry's, you know, first recognizes who she is um, and tries to keep that to himself. That was a really good kind of um, soft moment. I also love how uh, Jay basically just gave us a, just a, you know, map of easter eggs with the whole multiverse um showing him kind of plotting out uh what's going on and then kind of pointing forward of what was going to happen in the next hour and arrow so i think that uh it's really interesting how intertwined it's all going to really become and um i kind of hope that jay will kind of be there um popping up throughout the the first half of the season if he's going to play a bigger part um leading up to the multiverse that'll be interesting or to the crossover i will be interesting
1: uh, conveniently, uh, Jay has been looking into the antimatter incursions on his own, and even more conveniently, he has a way to send Barry's mind into the future, past the antimatter barrier. Uh, but when Barry does so, he sees billions of futures, and we get to see one where a red mist of antimatter is destroying everything Barry loves. Uh, now, we've talked about how Crisis is going to be foreshadowed in Flash, uh, and this certainly seems to raise the stakes for the crossover, and you know, give us our first real taste of of just how bad. Uh, crisis could be so uh obviously it leaves very shaken but uh how did the panel feel about it i'll open this one up to the floor how did you guys uh feel about that scene and was there anything that, that particularly struck you about it
4: it was very dr strange of them you know with yeah that's, strange. that's the
1: problem so much has been done in marvel that everything they do i think oh yeah just like they did over and in- yeah
4: <laughs> yeah so that was that was kind of cool if it was a little wink at that maybe uh, i thought The most interesting thing of it all was the fact that Sisko was dressed as Vibe.
2: Oh, yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. He had his little vibe suit on. What does that mean? Does he get his powers before yeah. Crisis? I saw that
1: as well, and I'm, I'm sure that was, uh, you know, an intentional little thing, too, to keep mm-hmm. us in. Now, could that be a vibe from another Earth? Uh, yeah, exactly. Is human cure reversible? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah, so that
4: was the most interesting thing. Uh, before that, the fact that Jay knew that the antimatter was on Earth, too, I thought that was a little nice hint for what was going to happen on Arrow as well there were not lots of little hints during that entire sequence of like what was to come and uh, i thought all of it was really interesting and then of course you know when the flash would have disintegrated before our eyes i thought that visual effect was really nice
2: all right i'll i'll just say that um seeing everybody just kind of disintegrate i was definitely as getting you mentioned marvel i was getting endgame vibes over here or infinity war vibes. damn it Marvel why you got to do everything but to be fair uh this is already in the comics I don't know what would have come for maybe Marvel got it from Crisis on Infinite Earths who knows but I like the fact that Barry's getting to see this on uh, himself to see how dire the situation is and then you even see you know Grant with the tear and like how heavy this is this is and how it really is a crisis something huge is coming and maybe he does have to die for it i just love that there's so much con inner conflict with what it is to be a hero because we know you know barry and kara um I, I put them together because they're mostly like the same honestly in my eyes they mm-hmm. will run into danger for for protecting innocence for doing anything like that and just for him to see to struggle in this episode with what that means truly after six years of being a hero like he he's yeah this is heavy this is some heavy stuff and we see um ralph we see vibe we see frost and then we see iris as the last one to die and i think that's the one that probably hits him the most especially given that he talks to her later about it but that was heavy that was crazy i just oh i don't i I'm ready. The crisis is coming, and I'm ready. Is that kind of bad of me that I'm kind of excited? That I want to see this happen. <laughs> not so. Not so hard. Well, you
1: you love death, so this should be oh great God. for you. On many she levels. does. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Millie, what did you think about our first taste of crisis?
3: I liked it. I I think it definitely does the job of stepping up the stakes. I think because of. Um, it's good to visualize. I mean, Barry really needed that kind of kick to understand that it is of this weight, and that the monitor is not yanking his chain or anything like that. Um, that if if they let it continue, like he, that will become his actual like reality. Um, I think that the way they did it. The way they like the CGI and everything like that um, was very, really cool and very like on point. I enjoyed it. I mean, I guess they could definitely take bigger book out of Marvel's chapter A, right, and then just make them become dust. I guess melting away in red the best they could do.
1: Yeah, I agree, uh, Millie. I think it was a great way to sort of set the stakes uh, for this season and the stakes for Crisis. You know, Flash is used to dealing with, uh, you know, uh, pretty serious things, but this is, you know, a threat of a magnitude they've really never faced. uh, And especially with a ticking clock uh, going to it, I thought it did a really good job of, you know, establishing uh, not just for the viewers, you know, how big a deal Crisis is, but also for, uh, you know, Barry in particular. Uh, and uh, and obviously that hits Barry because uh, Joan and Jay take Barry back to Earth-1 so he can be with Iris, but we really see Barry at his lowest. He's convinced he's going to die. He seems very fatalistic. Uh, um, uh, so I'll stay with you, Millie. What do you think about Barry's reaction? Is it in character for him? Uh, and what do you think about the scene that we got between Iris and Barry uh, where they're uh, dealing with the fallout from what he's seen? I
3: think that it is in line with Barry. I mean, he started the show really optimistic, but as you know, we go through five years. I think that the reaction we got from him kind of makes sense. Um, he's he's lost a lot; it's really come to him. And so the way that they open the sh- the episode kind of makes sense, where he's like he doesn't want to do this. He has been really he's ready to like accept fate and not really fight. I mean, you keep getting knocked down. How many times are you gonna get back up, right? Um, but I think that also sets up for a really great moment between Iris and him, where. Uh, he is able to lean on iris and strength as well um and this is what you need right a reminder of what you're fighting for i think again that's what that does is um I mean, iris is always by your side but to see that um and then have her voice i think is kind of what he needs at this moment i think it's so it's a good idea to do an episode two so now you can take that forward and gets all that kind of motivation leading up into the crisis so he's basically good to go now
1: uh, Joe drops drops by to be Joe, by which I mean he says exactly the right thing at the right time. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. he just tells Barry that he's not giving up so long as he faces what's coming. That's resiliency, and that's something that everyone has to have. Uh, Brittany, what did you think about uh, Joe's scene with Barry?
2: Oh, my God. Daddy Joe, Grandpa Joe, he's doing – he's just doing work. I love him. He's one of my favorite characters, despite the fact that I always predict that he's going to die every season. Mm-hmm. Um you know <laughs> that's what i do to all my favorite
4: characters i wish death upon them
2: i don't wish death i just sometimes i have a feeling but no i love and Brittany, joe... did you
1: notice that joe has a beard now um does that make him evil
2: you... <laughs> maybe this is evil joe wasn't he evil on earth too i don't remember he was like a hard ass i don't know one of those but he was no, a I... singer
1: on earth too oh yeah anyway
4: he didn't uh... approve of the relationship though right i think I he didn't approve I... of Barry and Iris together?
2: I think so. That's why I mean like No, was that like...
4: wasn't on Earth, too. Was that when they when they went into the musical world?
2: Uh, no, I don't remember. He's gay in the musical world. That I remember. But um yeah, no, I love Joe. He's always saying the right stuff. But you, what's cool about him in this episode though? I know we're not in the in that storyline, but I love that he is so grounded and just so real with Barry. And then he has, you know, the conflict with Cecile and, you know, they figure that out. But like, I love that that Joe was able to play um, those two types of storylines, you know, where he's solid and he's there for Barry. And then he has a little bit of a hiccup with Cecile. Of course they resolve it, but like, I, I just love that. But as far as with Barry, like, I, I love that. The father figure, you know, his actual father in law. Like it just it works here. And I think they did it in, in a in a nice and simplistic way. Like Joe didn't have to do he didn't have to say too much. He just talked about his experience and like the you know, my job. You think I wanna go out there and die? I don't choose to die. But if it means, like, if I have to put myself in danger, like, I'm going to do it. It's not only is my job, but it's me. It's who I am. And that's what Barry has been trying to, you know, or that's what he's become over the past six years. So I just, I really love that talk. That, that, was, that was fantastic. As much as I loved him, his, and Iris' talk, I think this one was, like, my favorite of the episode.
1: Uh, Over in our main subplot, Cecile is conflicted over a case. As DA, she has an open and shut case against a metahuman named Allegra Garcia, but her powers tell her Allegra is innocent. Uh, Jeff, what did you think about Cecile in this episode and this particular use of her powers? Cecile, DA Cecile Horton, was fantastic
4: this might be one enjoy
1: saying that you won't be able to do for much
4: i know i was about to say that this might be the final time uh, during this podcast that i can actually use that line but d.a cecile horton was fantastic i love cecile she was fantastic in this episode i could sense From pretty much the start of the episode, maybe not the start of the episode, but maybe, uh, you know, a couple scenes into this storyline, that she was no longer going to be the DA, just because I could really see how her uh, emotional, empathetic powers were... um... We're really motivating her into a new profession, to be quite honest, especially like after all the drops of like, you know, the public defender's office, you know, is understaffed. And this is the other. And we could see that the uh, public defender for Allegra wasn't really doing anything. I was like, this this is going to be a career change for Cecile. And I think it's going to be really interesting. But as far as her and the usage of her power throughout this particular storyline, I really liked it. I love Cecile usually in anything, and uh, I thought uh, her storyline was really fascinating. And uh, I-, I love that they showed us a um, metahuman that looked like you know she was doing something nefarious, but um, the evidence you know was stacked against her, but the truth was that she was innocent. I really like that.
1: Uh, Joe's clearly on the other side, the law side of mm-hmm. Law & Order. To chung uh, he he to was like on he that, out, too. Which is understandable, given his job. Uh, Millie, what did you think about the conflict between Joe and Cecile? I never like it when Mommy and Daddy fight. What did you think?
3: I think it it, it gives him kind of a new dynamic in their relationship and able to kind of talk about something, you know, outside the kids and Team Flash and stuff. So I like that. And I think it. it you can also see Joe planting the seeds mm. when he said, you know, you're not public defender and I was like okay that's where that's going mm-hmm. there um, but I think it allows kind of a struggle because I mean it's never fun the relationship is just you know sunshine like flowers and down the meadows and like the sunshine so I think it was good especially because they have, they have positions that are going to have conflicts I think it was more realistic too to have them butt heads but um, I love that the, they had the conversation um, and were able to solve it in a way that was like made sense and it was like kind of well maybe a little too clean but they were able to tie it up nicely
4: I love flowers down the meadow. It's my favorite mm-hmm. Taylor Swift song.
2: The Taylor Swift fans here.
4: No, that isn't really a song of hers, oh. but it just sounded so poetic when she said it.
1: Uh, no, and and yeah, and getting back to that, I think you know a lot of it does come out of their characters. You know, this is this was not a conflict that felt staged for the episode or to force Cecile into this decision. You know, this is who Cecile has been. This is who Joe has been. Now maybe Joe is a little you know stronger in these opinions now that he's the. Uh, uh, the captain, uh, rather than just a detective. Uh, but I did feel it, it was played out well, and it's nice to see, you know, two adults having a, mm-hmm. you know, a mature dispute that doesn't end with, you know, screaming and something that has to be stretched out over six episodes uh, of uh, of Lies and uh, stuff like that. Uh, you know, they they resolved it uh, quite nicely.
4: Grown-ass um,
1: And Yeah, and, and again, it, it's nice to have that on The Flash, you know, to have that, you know, that older, you know, more experienced uh, couple that, that uh, you know, uh, you know, has, has experienced life and is not treating everything like a teenager, as many shows do. Um, so, Cecile turns to Team Flash for help, uh, with Iris and Ralph digging up some details about Allegra's cousin Esperanza. Turns out she was kidnapped by a shadowy organization that's apparently training Metas to be killers. Uh, so, what do you think about the reveal? I'll open this up to the panel. It was tucked away in the B plot, but uh, do you think this is going to be kind of big going forward? That there's some shadowy organization that no one's ever heard about before training Metas to be killers?
4: That's we got our B storyline
2: for, I for love the it.
4: second half of the season.
2: Yeah, no, I yeah. love that when they mentioned that. I was like, Give, "Bring on the assassins! Let's 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 do this!" Because I mean, oh. I'm all over crisis right now. But I really love how they they're putting Cecile like as the as the public defender of metas, and then they have like the assassin or like a secret organization with training metas to be assassins. Mm-hmm. Like, I like that. That is. That is great. That's like probably the first time I'm, re- or in, in a while, that I really like a storyline, a B plot storyline for the Flash. I'm really into that. I don't know why. Am I? I'm just weird, right? I, no. I want characters to die. I keep producing oh, deaths, god. and
4: well, no, no. no, no, like no. You're... Oh gosh, you're not <laughs> weird because hold up, Agent Odell, are you out there?
2: Oh my god.
1: Ooh. Hello. That might be interesting. Um, but I was thinking, and, you know, as you were saying, you know, just sort of having that. It, it sort of sets up... Hold on a sec. Yes.
4: <laughs> the dog thinks that it's Agent Odell, too. Could you imagine if Agent Odell is behind that?
2: That'd be really cool. I mean, now that we know the uh, Black Lightning's coming yeah. in here, like, that could be cool. But if it's going to be the Long War, I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Well, although... Depending on what happens, because we have talked about what happens uh, post-crisis. You know, if uh, Black Lightning's uh, crew ends up on the same Earth as Flash, then Odell would be there. That's an intriguing thought.
4: Yeah, it's fascinating. Uh, That whole subplot, it it seems like it's nothing. And and they sort of treated it almost like it's nothing. But that could be the plot for the next half of the season, post-crisis. Like, they're going to have to deal with the fallout of that, potentially. I I mean, it's an interesting... Plot thread, I will say I liked the storyline a lot. Um, Allegra speaking Spanish, no mucho. Like she had, oh, that was terrible. I know she had like a really hard American accent. I would assume that she. she I I did not look up to see if she is uh, Latinx, but I would assume that she would be a Latinx person that does not speak Spanish fluently, and it was. As, Possibly as, a
1: Canadian Latinx. Well,
4: maybe, uh, but as a, a a fluent Spanish speaker, it was slight cringe, and it it, it kind of no shade, Brittany, but it kind of it, I imagine that that's what Brittany sounds like when she speaks wow. Spanish. Okay. Wow.
2: Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. We're gonna have a serious talk after this podcast. <laughs> okay.
4: Oh, I'm excited. No, no, please.
1: While we're recording. <laughs> okay.
4: In Spanish, por favor. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um. <laughs> That's funny, but yeah, but the whole idea was was really cool. Can I just say, um, before I forget Candace Patton I mean she always looks beautiful because of Candace Patton, but Iris in that red outfit was woo, everything mama. to me
2: her in red, Candace in red is just woo Love it her.
4: was like bomb, like I was just like damn like this woman so i have to give props to candace Patton, and as well as the wardrobe department on the flash because i was like wow she looks amazing but she always looks amazing but just the red on her it was just fantastic
1: um getting back to the show i know right uh, esperanza attacks the ccpd to kill allegra and barry realizes he has a job to do so he gets up off the couch uh, and fights back uh millie any thoughts on the fight scene at the police station
3: I like the fight scene. I think like the we were a little like light on the action side, so I enjoyed when the fight scene came in. Um, kind of brought it on, but it wasn't too heavy-handed on that. Um, so I enjoyed that.
1: Uh, anyone else uh, like anything about the fight? I thought it was good I mean, for what it
4: was. Uh, I mean, clearly um, it was an effects-heavy fight because of um, you know the the what do you call them, the microwaves and the gamma waves and all that type of Wave. shit. A lot of waves, oh, uh, so I thought that was interesting. We didn't really discuss the usage of Gideon yet, but um the fact that Gideon was like in flash's ears and so she was explaining like what was going on i I thought that was important and uh, i thought the effects were really neat she seemed hella op for like just coming out of nowhere but uh, that was kind of explained away via gideon so i was kind of cool
1: with that yeah barry's a scientist he should know that electromagnetic radiation always travels at the speed of light one hundred eighty-six thousand miles per second so you know there's there's really no reason for him not to know that there's no reason for him to turn and try to run from something that's coming at him at the speed of light, A, he wouldn't have seen it, B, he would know he couldn't outrun it. I did wonder whether, you know, maybe uh, you know maybe that line was thrown in with Gideon, you know, being there in his ear to say, you know, it's that many times faster than you can actually run. Whether well, there may be setting up something crisis-related, because in the Crisis comic, uh, there was something that, that Barry had to run faster than he'd ever run before uh, in that crisis. And I'm wondering if maybe that was just a tiny little, you know, mm-hmm. uh, planting a seed. Uh, that might uh, uh, give us something uh, as we approach the crisis. Um, Because otherwise, you know, the only other reason to have, you know, Gideon in his ear was to suggest going to talk to Jay Garrick. Um, And then there's no reason why he would still have had uh, her in his ear. So, uh, yeah, I did wonder whether maybe they're planting the seed there. Uh, For me, the high point, though, was, you know, you've got this this meta terrorizing the the place. And Joe just runs out there with a gun saying, get the hell out of my precinct. Yeah, I'm out of bullets. Oops
4: i know i was like papa joe we need you alive stop doing shenanigans please and, and we needed gideon there because marina Backerin
1: needs a job now that gotham is over yeah, yeah but marina baccarin I, I don't think she's the voice of gideon anymore i think she was only the voice of gideon for the uh the pilot uh, really? i don't think she's voiced it since then i thought she was always the voice of gideon at least on no, the flash i'm pretty sure she voiced the pilot uh, and, uh, I think she voiced the pilot, uh, uh, on the wave rider, uh, but it's a, it's a different Gideon voice.
4: Hmm.
1: We I would have to check that. I we might check into that, that and, and see, but I'm pretty sure, uh, Marina Baccarin who, let's face it, has plenty of jobs. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not her. I'm not sure if this Gideon is the same Gideon as on the wave rider. No, because, uh, uh our yeah. wave rider Gideon is British. Uh, oh, good point, yes. Um, Anyway, so uh, after the fight at CCPD, uh, Cecile and Joe reconcile and Cecile decides she wants to become a defense attorney. So she's still a D.A. Hey, D.A. Cecile Horton, uh, specializing in protecting Metis, which is interesting because this is sort of the first time uh, this has been pointed out, the the idea that Metas may not be getting a fair shake uh, in Central City. Uh, Brittany, what do you think about uh, Cecile's decision and uh, how it will play out going forward?
2: Oh, man, I loved it. I was um, I was totally interested in her entire storyline for this episode. Uh, Cecile's probably one of my favorite, like, flash intros that I've just enjoyed from the beginning of her introduction to now. Uh, I've loved what they've done with the character. They um, they had her for just a little bit, you know, being just being the DA, and then, you know, with Joe, but they give her so much more now, and I love that she's just not Joe's wife. You know, she's doing her own thing, and then she came up with this uh, on her own, and this is what she really believes in, and they gave her powers, and we're like, oh, it's going to be temporary, but it actually stays with her, like, feels everything, she, she's an awesome wife, she's rocking her job, she's a great mom, like, she's doing her thing, and her coming to the conclusion of, like, defending metas was perfect. It makes sense with her being a meta. I w- I'm, I'm actually wondering if she's going to be outed as a meta, too. Like, if she's going to say, you know, I'm going to be a public defender of metas because I am a meta. Or if she's going to keep that a secret. I don't know. I think she might say that she is a meta,
1: but I don't know. Yeah, it seems there's an, uh, an interesting pivot going on in this episode. Because, you know, with that shadowy organization, and presumably that's going to be, you know, a source of metas. Because, you know, we no longer have... Uh, you know, the, uh, the Dark Matter creating metas. So they have to be pre-existing metas, and we don't have the, uh, the meta tech from last season. Um, so that could be a source of them. But, you know, they'd be trained bad guy metas as opposed to, you know, Team Flash has sort of just been rounding up metas in the past. Uh, and also focusing on, you know, uh, sort of the, the protecting of the metas, uh, which was, you know, something they, uh, you know, th- they've alluded to uh, in the past. But uh, I-, I wonder whether that is indicating a-, a pivot for the show in the second half of the season. Uh, again, because we know that you know a lot of the the first half is going to be taken up with uh, crisis prep and uh, and our big bad that we'll get to in a minute. But uh, yeah, I do wonder whether we're going to see possibly a radically different. I'll talk about that later. Uh, you know, flash in the second half of the season.
4: Well, we also have to remember, and this is something that I always bring up when we talk about post-crisis since all of the earths at least we assume are going to merge that means supergirl will be on our earth uh i say ours if we're a part of the show which we kind yeah, of i was are. gonna say we talk it's about not it. Your earth i know but w- they will be we assume on the prime earth uh That means alien threats will become a reality on The Flash, much like on Supergirl, even though they have featured metas in the past. But the meta threat will also become much larger in the Supergirl world. So uh, they will have a a lot of different avenues to visit post-crisis.
1: Um, so, uh, we did have a C plot this week, uh, you know, one of those rare weeks where we get, uh, three plots, uh, as we saw last week, Killer Frost is trying to get a life. She starts by going to an art show and basically being a dick to all the artists. Uh, we later get a sense of why, but, uh, without getting that reveal, Millie, what do you think about, uh, Killer Frost's initial scene?
3: I thought it was, it took me a second to, like, really click and I was like, okay, so we're going back to basically, like Killer Frost has absolutely no, no personality or, like. Uh, was eq at all i thought it was very you know a little cringy but i also enjoy it at the same time because i think that um it does allow her to have some fun and it definitely allows um the actress to have some fun i think uh be a little kind of on the the more dislike side i feel like K- caitlin's always such a like very nice character doesn't really get be offensive in any kind of way like that so i feel like it's kind of fun um as much as it was also kind of awkward
1: uh, later in the episode, we find that Killer Frost is a bit of a frustrated artist herself. She's just looking for a way to express herself. Uh, and now, Killer Frost has been—you know—as as I think you know, uh, Millie was you know, so just saying she's kind of been a one-note character in the past. So, uh, Brittany, what do you think about this new take on Killer Frost and what it might lead to going forward?
2: Um, okay, I totally love this. I love that they're giving Killer Frost something uh, besides just being—you know—an alter ego person they're, they they want to give her something more to do but I am wondering um what what happens if she like falls in love with somebody like how does that work how does she how does how does both um Caitlin and Killer Frost live separate lives I'm really wondering how they're gonna do that like I, I like this but I'm still kind of hazy fuzzy with like the end game here so I'm kind of like I'm like yeah writers do this but I also don't know how this is gonna work But, you know, Flash can kind of make it work. I'm hoping the writers know where they're headed with this. Um, And I enjoy Frost. I I love her. I think it's great. And I love that she's into art. She seems like a, oh, I can't think of the anime term here. Yes, I am the anime weeb here. Um, But she's just the type that, you know, she keeps her her emotions to herself. And she gets all embarrassed when people find out stuff about her. I think it's a tsundere. I think that's what they're called. But, um, yeah, I just, I love that. And I kind of. Uh, I love also that Cisco's bonding with her. Cisco and Caitlyn are BFFs, and I kind of like that, like, that might happen with him and Frost, if not Ralph and Frost probably will be BFFs. But uh, I love it, and I'm excited to see where they're going to take her.
1: Uh, Almost at the end of the episode, Barry tells Iris he isn't choosing to die, but if his death will save billions, or even just Iris, it's something he's willing to do. So it seems that by the episode they've resolved their uh, their problems, and they're now going to prepare Team Flash for what's coming, and... Maybe for a post-crisis world without a flash. So again, a lot of crisis foreshadowing going on in this episode. Uh, Jeff, what do you think this portends? And then uh, the rest of the uh, the panel can uh, weigh in as well. Well, I, I think
4: what they're trying to do is to show us sort of like, um, what's the term? The darkness before the storm? Is that the right term? Is that the right phrase? Uh,
2: I. I... I know the calm
4: before the storm. The calm before... No, well, well no, Then I, that's not what Darkness I'm trying to Darkness before the dawn. Darkness before oh, the... There you, you go. go. Yeah. Darkness before the dawn. I think that's what they're trying to show us. Because, you know, they're sort of stripping our people's hope away a bit. Because Barry has come to the conclusion that, you know, because of these sort of, like, billions of permutations of, like, what could happen, like, the one that works the one that saves everybody is where he dies so he is accepting of his fate and he's not necessarily accepting it in a way that um, he's giving up on uh, you know what's to come it's just him accepting the fact that he needs to die to save not only the woman that he loves but the rest of humanity so the fact that he has come to that acceptance so early makes me believe that he's not gonna die and uh i I am kind of intrigued by the prospect of seeing barry basically as a dead man walking like you know experiencing life having accepted his own fate probably mentoring his friends on like You know, being the best hero that they can be, sort of like maybe flashifying them so that his legacy will live on post-crisis because he thinks that he's going to die. And that's what leads me to believe that he probably won't die. How that happens, is it the whole Oliver Queen scenario because of the deal that he has made with the Monitor? I guess we're going to have to wait and see. Will they somehow change the future in a sense so that Barry doesn't die? We're going to have to wait and see. I really don't know what the lead up is going to be like, but I feel like we are going to see... A Barry that has fully accepted that he has to die, but um, he's going to use this time that he has left in trying to shape his team as, as much as possible so that they can carry on his mantle post-crisis. What I'm hella intrigued about is, uh, where's baby Nora. You know, if the idea is that they will see Nora again, and that was a big theme in the season premiere, Iris is going to have to get pregnant soon. So maybe that's also a hint that um, that Barry isn't going to die. Because initially he would have had, what year was it? It was like a 20, 2024, so he would still have, what is that, um, four and a half years, I guess, before they needed to get pregnant, so, uh, since it has moved up, does that mean that there won't be a baby Nora in the future? Or does the fact that there was a baby Nora, does that mean that um, that uh, Barry will survive and, and things will change? I don't know. Stay tuned, everybody.
2: There, there's a theory that um, the Nora was like a different timeline and then since uh um she was from the timeline of crisis or something like that or I don't know well, the one where he vanishes well if that's not going to happen in this timeline then we're never going to get Enora we're actually going to get the tornado twins because that's actually a line that we got mm-hmm. last season or was it the season before I don't know which season this it house was. is bitching yeah we're well, going we to need more to know, diapers we're going to need more diapers so that's why I think that that she's going to ha- end up having the Tornado Twins because that's what people were thinking last season with Nora. They're like, why doesn't she mention her brother? Why doesn't she have a brother? It's because in that timeline they only had Nora and in this one they're going to have the twins.
4: Yeah. Could you imagine if the Anti-Monitor enters the house and he's like, this house is bitching?
2: I would kind of like that.
4: I know. It's not going to be him. It, if it would be anyone, it's going to be the new Wells or some shit. Uh, we oh, don't know what his personality is going to be like, but... Yeah. Um, I need this house is bitching. Like I need it so bad. Like I just get it
1: explained at some point.
4: I know. I just need it to happen. And I'm so like, I just need to know who says it. Clearly it's none of our people. So Wait, it has to be. Wasn't it Nora? An... Didn't she say it? No, she didn't say that. No, she was like, "This house is," and uh, Cisco interrupted and was like, "Bitchin'." And she was like, she said something else, so she didn't say oh, was it. Was it the
2: Shui thing?
4: Probably, she probably did say Shui. but uh, I need someone. It's definitely going to be a new character, someone that we don't know. I need someone to say, "This house is bitchin'."
1: Uh, At the end of the episode, uh, we get a stinger of our big bad. Uh, Earlier in the episode, we saw him accidentally kill a henchman. uh, But at the end of the episode, the henchman comes back to life. So what does this mean? Zombies? Is this a Walking Dead crossover? Uh, Millie, any thoughts on how this is going to play out for our big bad? And and how big a big bad do you think he's going to be with crisis coming and this shadowy organization?
3: I am starting to question how, what with the introduction of the shadow organization? I'm like, oh, that is definitely a bigger bad than um, Dr. Ramsey. But I think he's still going to be an interesting, he might be like the little kind of baby villain. Maybe he has, you know, the way that all these somehow interconnect and he has some kind of affiliation with the organization, who knows. But um, I thought it was interesting, the whole, the guy coming back. But I thought, and I might have interpreted it wrong, because remember the last episode he had injected himself and it totally just kind of overtook him. I, I thought he might have, when he was uh, trying to have that showdown with the um, guy that he killed, that he had, might have, like, transferred something to him and have turned him into someone that basically can't die. Um, so, I don't know. I th- I'm wondering if that's there, and that'll be kind of interesting to see uh, where is he going. Right now, his, like, evilness level, I say, is probably at, like, a 6.5, and he's just kind of an egotistical person, but he has opportunity to get, I think, more evil.
1: Yeah, there's always room for improvement, Doctor. uh, I know, right? Just work on being a little more evil.
0: Yeah, Yeah. my gut
1: feeling is that uh, he's going to find that, you know, uh, uh, whether the the guy can be killed or not, I think he's going to have control over him. Because they were sort of Ooh. setting it up that oh no it's it's like a Frankenstein's monster situation where you know the the monster is threatening him ah I think he'll find that he can actually control the people that he kills because right now he's he's as you say you know his evil might be on six point five but his threat level is very low but if it turns out he can reanimate the dead um, that Ooh, cranks up his, yeah that cranks up his threat level pretty significantly especially if he decides well then I'll just get a few more dead people to do my bidding um, but uh, yeah I don't know but uh, yeah it does feel like right now he. Doesn't seem like that big a threat, but I think, as we said before, he's probably only going to be the the, uh, the big bad for the first half of the season, and all that's going to be, you know, interspersed with crisis stuff. So maybe he's just going to be, as you said, a uh, a trade a term that I'm going to trademark now, a baby big bad.
4: Yeah, I agree with that as well. I have no idea what blood work is about in the comics, so I don't know if that sort of uh, superpower mirrors what his comic book character. Uh, has, but uh, I feel like because of what Barry's going through and because of what uh, the good doctor is going through, I think the doctor will uh, he will have a redemptive arc, I think, either that or he will come to terms with the fact that he's going to die, I think. Uh, I feel like they're gonna connect Barry and him a lot more in the coming episodes because Barry has come to accept that he's gonna die, and so I think because of Barry's current current predicament, he will. I don't know. I guess maybe find some sort of empathy or, or sympathy with uh, Ramsey, and um, I don't know if that's going to affect Ramsey at all. But since this is the flash and and at times you know a good speech can um can change somebody's mind, I feel like that's what's going to um, either redeem slash cure or at least lead him to accept that he has to die you know maybe he now has to die because of uh, you know this uh, quote unquote cure that has
1: venom Uh, Okay, before we move on to the MVP section, uh, was there anything else from the episode anyone wanted to uh, bring out? Anything you spotted or uh, uh, thought was worthy of mention?
4: I loved Joan, and um, if all of the Earths do disappear except for one... I hope that both Jay and Joan survive. Uh, we don't need them as series regulars, but every once in a while to see them, um, I just, I enjoy both of them a lot.
2: Oh, no, they seem too happy. I think Jay might die in crisis.
1: Oh, my gosh, really? <laughs> wow, we made it through almost an entire episode before Brittany tried to kill the beloved character. And, <laughs> and, of course, this was Brittany's first podcast back, so this could be a new record. He's already
4: using a cane,
1: Brittany. I'm always really? trying out to myself every year. You know this. You're going to kick the cane out of him? Maybe. Uh, Okay, it's time for the MVP section. Uh, State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character's been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so choose wisely. Millie, who is your MVP and why?
3: There's a bunch of really good performers, I felt. Uh, Everyone really stepped it up for episode two, but I have to say Joe. We've missed, like, his wisdom talks to Barry. And it's also a good reminder that, like, he is this father figure to Barry. If anyone wants to, like, Give him that kind of hope that he needs to go into whatever fight he's going to face. It's going to be Joe. I thought it was again. It was very. It wasn't forced, and it felt it was just the right amount of length as well. I think it was just just enough to be really impactful. So I love that moment. And then him and C also too had really good um, deep connections that also didn't feel um, deep. So they they didn't give him a lot of screen time, I think, but they gave him some good
1: meaningful screen time. Jeff, who is your MVP and why? Damn it, man, I have
4: two. But I'm only going to pick one, and I'm not even going to do a shout-out like some people like to do. Um,
1: Good, because that's the classy thing to do. It's it's so de classe when someone tries to slip in a secondary choice like that.
4: I know, right? So uh, my MVP, as much as I do want to pick the other one, Uh, I'm going to go with D.A. Cecile Horton. I just loved everything Cecile in in this episode. Danielle Nicolette is fantastic. They gave her a really meaty uh, B storyline. And I'm super excited to see where this storyline goes throughout the rest of uh, this half of the season and beyond. Just because I I think um, the the sort of... um, The the agency that they're giving her with this new... um, new gig it is going to be really important to the series so I, I am giving it to DA Cecile Horton
1: Brittany who is your one single MVP and why
2: I'm going to fight both of you after this podcast <laughs> with hugs I'm just kidding Aww. okay 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 um, alright my MVP is going to go to Cisco I know I didn't really talk about him that much in this episode because I, I was interested in the other storylines, but um, I love Cisco, and I think there was a lot of, like, theories that the actor was leaving because he was taking away his vibe powers. I still don't know the reason for that, especially if he's still a series regular, and it looks like, as you said earlier, or that you pointed out, Jeff, that he's in his vibe getup uh, in that um, that flash-forward kind of potential future like i'm wondering what was the point of or what is that arc about like it seems kind of meaningless right now so i hope the writers have something for him but aside from like the seriousness of that arc just cisco in general being a good boyfriend being a good friend like that's a lot of the reasons we love Cisco aside from the jokes and I just really like that while Frost was being a little bit frosty towards his girlfriend he you know he got to the bottom of it he pep talked her and you know he was just being Cisco and I am looking forward to his storyline but yeah I liked him a lot in this episode so just go for me.
1: Uh, and I'm going to take the, uh, cheap route out of, uh, of choosing the, uh, the title character. Uh, I thought Barry was really strong this episode. They didn't give him a lot of time, which is interesting. Uh, and we talked about that a little bit last week. they spent so much time developing the, uh, uh, the secondary characters that they don't have to spend as much time on Barry. Barry doesn't have to carry the entire episode by himself. And I thought this was a great example of that. As I mentioned, you know, we have the three C line, the three plot lines going on. Uh, you know, other characters are, are carrying a lot of the weight, but you know, the time that Grant Gustin got, I thought he played very well. Uh, it felt very real, and particularly that uh, that closing scene. With Iris, I thought was uh, was very moving uh, and affecting. So uh, uh, overall, I thought uh, Barry was my MVP. Okay, so how would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 lightning bolts? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Flash Museum. Brittany, let's start with you. What is your rating?
2: Oh my gosh, okay. I am going to give this episode a 9 out of 10 I really enjoyed uh, this episode. It, I've already blabbered a lot about um, having the three storylines. I think it's really rare when Flash can balance out the three uh, storylines and have it all be interesting or fun, or, you know, you have one serious, uh, one grounded, uh, or one funny. Like, I just really like that they did that here. And um, as you said, actually, Professor X, they did have limited Barry. And I'm wondering if that's because what he said in the episode, like, I, if I can't, change my outcome like I have to die then I might as well prepare everyone else like to be ready for a world without the flash so I'm wondering if that's what the like they're kind of like getting us ready for that we're gonna have less Barry even if it's just for a little while post-crisis I don't know and not that he's gonna die but maybe he will vanish but we'll get him sooner you know than him being gone for 20 years so I'm wondering if that's actually something that the writers are actually purposely doing for us here but I really liked everything that we had the pep talks the small laughs you know daddy Joe coming in it was really good so
1: nine out of ten for me uh, Millie what is your rating
3: I see definitely an 8.9 lightning bolts I think it was it was fun I had a lot of fun watching the flash which uh, hasn't been common recently so I really enjoyed it um, I think that I love the structure because it, they have such a large team. And so you know, sometimes everyone working on one problem gets really cluttered. So I feel this is the best way to get everyone their own thing, but also be really meaningful and interesting. And like I said, I love the nuggets of the crisis. And I think that's going to be really interesting. But they've packed a lot of other good tidbits that are going to carry on us throughout the rest of the season. So I think this does a lot of good setup, and I'm super excited for episode three.
1: Jeff, what is your rating?
4: First off, I would like to say that you picked my uh, second choice for MVP. So props to you, Professor X. And another thing I want to mention, just because not that many people fully take advantage of the point system, but I love that Millie, like, thinks outside the box and she does 8.9s and (laughs) 8.1s and that sort of thing. Like, I really love that. Not everyone does that. So, the fact that you're taking a like full advantage of the point system makes me smile because I mean it is there Very precise I know I like it yeah. it is there, and people can do it for the most part. I think everyone sort of does the point five and they never really explore the numbers around the point five so uh, I will give you props for that. I like it uh and I am going to give it a solid ten. Uh, I thought it was a very, very good episode. It was another spectacular episode for this season. I thought all of the storylines were really interesting. Uh, clearly, as everybody has been saying, the setup for Crisis was really, really good. I thought all of the actors were just fantastic. And um, I found it a very satisfying, and as I always like to say when I really like an episode, a very rewatchable episode. So uh, I'm going to give it a solid 10.
1: Uh, I'm going to agree with Brittany. I'm going to give it a nine. Um, I I thought it was very, very strong. It managed to give us, you know, our our dose of crisis, but that didn't overwhelm the episode. We got the Cecile stuff. We got the Killer Frost stuff. So we got some character development uh, as well as, uh, you know, planting seeds for the uh, the big plot stuff that's coming. So overall, I found it, you know, very satisfying and and certainly a rewatchable episode. Join us next time for a brand new installment of The Central City Citizen. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
5: Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thecentralcitycitizen. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Central City Citizen and subscribe.
1: Thanks, announcer. co host please wish the listeners a good night. Millie?
5: Good night, Central City. If you want to follow on
3: my social media, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd.
4: Jeff? Good night, Central City. You can follow me on all social media, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook simply at Poppy Chulo Radio.
2: And Brittany. Good night, everyone. And you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at damon's Lover with two R's and all together.
1: Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of The Central City Citizen every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chulo Radio Archives. Good night. <laughs>